Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Shane. And I'm Trevor. On this podcast, we take turns choosing albums to discuss and review. We alternate between one album released this calendar year and one that's been around a while. But this time, at the end of the year as we do, instead of talking about a single album, we're each going to be highlighting five albums that we both enjoyed this year that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, and I guess we have to say something about not having a chance to talk about any albums this year because we've both been so busy you probably have more legitimate excuses than I do with three kids including two newborn twin girls that came into your life this year and have been occupying a lot of your time but for one reason or another we haven't been able to get together to do any deep dives but we've definitely been able to continue to explore all of the new albums that have been released this year and have discussed that and kept our relationship through music going strong and and still have enough material to put together this best of episode to end the year. Yeah, fair. It does turn out that having three kids in three years does make you a little bit busy. (laughs) But uh, we have been still sharing music back and forth. I listen to a lot of children's music, (laughs) and then I got into as much as I could albums and things that uh, would interest me, particularly on my commute, which again is sort of my one time I have to myself. But what has your listening habits been like without having the podcast as regular? Have you still consumed a lot of music? Has it changed the amount that you listen to, the way you listen to it? Yeah, it's kind of come in waves for me. I think by the end of this year, I'll probably have gone through as many albums as I have the previous couple years. But this year, I'd say I started the year pretty strong, intrigued by all the new albums that were being released. And then I, I think I landed upon a few that I really liked and, and kind of stuck with them. And then I, I revisited a lot of old albums. There have been times this year that I needed something a little more familiar and, and uh, comfortable. And then there, there was kind of a second wave where I thought, man, you know, it's halfway through the year and I haven't been listening to a ton of music. Let me Let me see what else is out there. And I started checking out a ton and kind of coming into a third wave now here uh, at the end of the year as we wrap up looking back over the ones that I have discovered and and wondering which ones I missed and and kind of trying to play a little catch up uh, here to make sure that I that I don't uh, overlook any uh, before we record this one here but all in all I think it's been a good year I've listened to a lot of great music and I've been able to share some of that with you and other friends of mine who who love music as well and I still feel like, despite the fact that we haven't recorded any full episodes, the mission continues and and, uh, the goal is still being achieved. For sure. And yeah, anybody that's still listening or finds this now in their latest episodes there on whatever streaming service you use for podcasts, definitely want to say thank you for sticking with us. We're not going anywhere. 
But I think we're in the process of talking a little bit about how to make sure we can do that in the midst of these busy times. And one of the things that I really noticed about this year is there's a healthy balance, I think, of freedom that listening to music brings, but also some amount of structure that puts us in a place, and it's sort of the point of the podcast from the beginning, a bit of structure that kind of forces you to listen with some intention, especially as our lives get busier. And I think there's probably a version of that that we can do even though we're both very, very busy right now in these times of our lives. But there's going to be some ebb and flow, probably. But I think this we're both in this for the long haul, both for the listening, but also just the relationship that we have developed uh, over music to keep pumping these out when we do have time to do it. So thank you for listening. We will continue to do this. So stay tuned as we go. Well, should we jump right into the picks? Yeah, you want to start it out or... Go, let's see. I think I went first last time. You want to go first this time? Yeah. Before you jump right in, let's review the rules here. Oh, right. There's just a few of them. The first one is that we can't pick an album that we chose to do a deep dive for, which, of course, this does not apply to 2023, so all is fair game this year. The second is that we could not pick the same album. So I think this is the first year that we actually didn't overlap on anything. Oh, that's not true. Or maybe you sort of anticipated what I was going to choose and, and uh, right, purposefully yeah, we didn't yeah. overlap. We, we definitely would have overlapped on one. We may have, for sure. And then lastly, at the end of it, we will both reveal what our favorite album of 2023 is, and that is information that we have not shared. With that in place, Shane, what's your first one? All right. Let's start with a band that I discovered uh, this year. In 2015, Dan Auerbach, guitarist and vocalist of the Black Keys, announced a side project called The Arcs, which can be described as an American garage rock band. The group released their first studio album titled Yours Dreamily later that year. A second album was planned shortly after, but it never fully materialized. In January of this year, the Arcs finally released that album, featuring the band's full original lineup, including the late Richard Swift, who passed away in 2018. In the album's press release, Auerbach said, This new record is all about honoring Swift. It's a way for us to say goodbye to him by revisiting him playing and laughing, singing. It was heavy at times, but I think it was really helpful to do it. The Ark's website describes this album as a heavenly neo-psychedelic roots odyssey infused with soul fire, dusty grooves, and storming rock, featuring a top-shelf crew of studio luminaries. This music is fun and uplifting, despite some songs about romantic heartbreak and loss. It's emotional at times with soulful ballads, but also has playful, funky songs that make you want to dance and sing along as you get lost in the vibes. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. The song I am featuring captures the essence of this album. It's called Heaven is a Place. Thinking of you, depressing when you leave me, baby. 
Yeah, this album, Shane, if I'm not mistaken, was one that I showed you that then you later sh- showed me. Yeah, with yeah, my, yeah. my parent brain, I had no memory of that. You showed it to me as we were getting closer to the end of the year, maybe revealing it that it was one of your picks. And I was like, right. yeah, this is awesome. Where'd you find this? And you were like, who showed yeah. this to me? You were like, no and way. I, Went back and like, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I think you shared it with me early in the year. Okay, yeah, I think so. And you were like, hey, check this out. And I probably didn't have time at, the, at, at that moment that you shared it. So I downloaded it to Spotify. And then I think this might have been that, that second wave or so that I was talking about earlier when I went back and I was wondering how many 2023 albums I'd listened to or, or was starting to question if I was fulfilling our mission and feeling like I need to play catch up. So I went back through and I thought I knew I downloaded some. So I went back and I saw that one and I didn't know if it was one that Spotify had recommended to me or or somebody else or, or how I discovered that. But then I thought, you know what? I think you shared that with me. So then I went back and searched our text messages and found it. And, and sure enough, it'd been long enough that you had forgotten about sharing it with me as well. Well, I'm glad you dug it back up. I think when I first listened to it, I just thought it was a fun album, you know, something that I would turn on if I wanted that kind of music or, or uh, needed that that uh, atmosphere. But then as I listened to it a couple more times and read into it, you know, the, the backstories and understanding, you know, uh, the significance of the album to the band with Swift passing in the midst of, of making it and then never finishing it and revisiting it years later, um, kind of to commemorate him and and wrap up that project it became a little bit more meaningful and then i looked into some of the some of the main songs that that really struck a chord with me and checked out the lyrics and uh made some other connections that started to allow this album to to blossom and become more than something that was a cool sound but a complete album that that uh you know became important to me as well yeah and i have to admit when i discovered it I was just listening to it, enjoying the sound, not spending a lot of time reading lyrics or going deeper. It was kind of early in the year, just sort of trying to compile music I might want to go back and and listen to more. And I definitely didn't know the connection with uh, Richard Swift or the Black Keys as this being somewhat of a super group. And my personal connection to Richard Swift goes back to my Seattle days and his collaboration with one of my favorite artists, Damien Gerardo. And it's rare that I really have a knowledge of a producer on an album really making a huge impact on the sound. I, I sometimes pay attention to that, but I can probably count on one hand the number of producers that I'm really following or paying attention to like I would another artist. And it was Richard Swift's influence on really a trio of albums that Damien Gerardo did that just put him in a completely different space for me, uh, an artist that I already liked a lot. So I was already really excited when you picked this one, and I started reading about that as well. So that was kind of my personal connection. But the music itself, even without that, I would have really been interested in. It was a blues element, but there's also some electronic. There's times where you feel like you could dance to it and times where you would just feel like you need to sit and put on a pair of headphones and just a really unique sound. Yeah. Did you happen to check out some of those music videos that I sent you? No. Do they have the same kind of psychedelic look that the album cover and the music itself sounds like? Yeah. Lots, lots of different vibrant colors. Yeah. And the, the videos were kind of structured like a souped up Atari game where there's lots of different shapes and, and movements. It, it was borderline psychedelic and trippy, but more 
video game esque. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it definitely fit with the, with the music, with the sound that you're describing. Awesome. I'll have to go back and listen to those. Really fun album. It's one where if if you don't want to get into the lyrics, you can play it and probably not even pick up enough of what they're saying to even worry about getting wrapped up in in the meanings. But if you're curious about the backstory, uh, there's a lot more to it as well. If if that's what you're looking for, I mean, it, it's there to have. Yeah. So all in all, it's I mean, it's a pretty complete album. I'm glad I stumbled upon it or, or was recommended uh, by you to check it out. <laughs> and then and then I was able to turn around and recommend it back to you since you forgot. It's <laughs> one of the fun things about having parent brain is uh, you get to surprise yourself <laughs> with things. If, if I ever have right. Alzheimer's, uh, it'll just be one joyous day after the next for myself probably. Yeah, well then we can then we can listen to albums all over again for the first time. That's right. All right. <laughs> I won't wish it on myself, but it'll be a silver lining if it ever happens. <laughs> all right. On to the next. All right. Well, my first one if um the Arcs is kind of a super group of sorts, uh this one definitely is as well. After their self-titled EP in 2018, and amidst several critically acclaimed solo albums by all three members, indie supergroup Boy Genius finally have released their highly anticipated studio debut, simply called The Record. Being heralded as an instant classic, Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and Lucy Dacus each pour their unique individual talents into a cauldron of songs that simmer and rise and at moments boil over in the best of ways. The phrase greater than the sum of its parts is one often too liberally applied when talented artists join forces to create. In the case of Boy Genius, however, it's that and more. It's a validation of friendship between successful young women, an incredibly insightful window into shared experiences amongst friends, and a giant fuck you to whoever might have tried to unsuccessfully stand in their way. This song perfectly allows each member to shine by singing one of the verses each. This is the Satanist off a of Boy Genius debut album, The Record. Glad you picked this album 
Except for listening to a few Boy Genius songs when I, I was prepping for the, the Lucy Dacus podcast episode that we did and exploring a little bit after I discovered that Phoebe album from a couple years ago that I that I put on my best of top five list. I didn't know them as a band before discovering the three individually. So my exposure to them, my first experience with all three of them was as solo artists. You know, you mentioned the cliche phrase, the whole is 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 greater than the sum of the the parts or something to that effect Mm -hmm. when you when you put great standalone artists together like that oftentimes you might think they would they would compete or possibly not have as good a product as you expect the same can be said of sports you take three superstars and you put them on a team everybody assumes they're going to win a championship and sometimes they don't play well together and but as you stated when you put the three of these ladies together the music's amplified even more they they do really well i mean like you said that's a testament to their friendship uh, you probably know their history better than i do was was boy genius a band before any of them did their solo projects or or did they do some solo work and then come together and form the band and then split and then come back for for this album i'm pretty sure the solo stuff started and that's probably how they met each other just really? touring okay. and, and going that with each other that way See, i thought maybe it was the other way around i i, I thought they were boy genius first and then decided to explore their own individual interests and then come back yeah. together. And I thought maybe that that could explain why why uh, the band was was so good. It, it's really, really cool. You sent me a video of them doing a, a live performance on a late night talk show or SNL or something like that. Yeah, it was an SNL. And I've said in the past that I almost never liked the way that artists sound on SNL. I think I was trying mm-hmm. to defend Lana at one point yeah. for something that we right. had talked about one of her uh, early yeah. performances and this one solidified it for me I, I was going back and forth between some of the other songs and and satanist is not one of the i guess singles off of this album but they just killed that performance and then it features as i mentioned in the little preview there each one of them so well i felt like mm-hmm. there are some songs that you listen to and it's like okay this is sort of lucy's chance to shine and you hear all of her unique talents kind of coming through with the other two playing second fiddle a little bit and that's great you know, it's a whole album where each one kind of steps into the light at different times but satanist and especially accompanied with that video that i found just made me go all right this is this is all three all at once this is the one i got a feature yeah so knowing them individually i was kind of curious if i would still see glimpses of that or if they would be different when they're performing together if they would blend or or take on a different persona but like you said, they, they passed the mic well and shared the role of lead singer and back backup. And all of them sounded at times within that song like themselves that I was familiar with from their individual pro- projects. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of pretty cool that they can maintain their identities within the bigger identity of Boy Genius. I think at least one of them has made a presence in one form or another every single year we've done this podcast. You you picked a Phoebe Bridgers album for one of your best of the rest, our first time doing this in 2020. Yeah, that's right. It was 2020. 2021 was Lucy Dacus. Yeah. I think for our deep dive. And then it was either that year or last year that Julian Baker released a solo album too that I thought was really good. Yeah. So th- we've, we've talked about these women in one form or another every year and so it's it's fitting to have all three of them together uh, creating an album that we're talking about this year 
We probably should have uh, done that Phoebe album as a deep dive in 2020. I know both of us thought that was extremely good. Yeah. Maybe we discovered it later in the year. I ran out of time. I don't recall, but I, I yeah. do remember thinking that that one was fantastic. and Definitely. Maybe it'll show yeah. up in the future as a deep dive of an old album <laughs> from now. Could be, could be. You sent me a, a text that I thought was pretty pretty good. I don't even know if you recall, but uh, we were talking about Boy Genius, and you said, my very oversimplified description of what each member brings to the group. Phoebe, mystery. Lucy, biting wit, turn of phrase. And Julian, grit. But uh, definitely Phoebe and, and, and Julian. I feel like Julian kind of has a little bit of edgy toughness uh Mm -hmm. to her in a way phoebe is kind of mysterious and to me lucy kind of at least what i know of her from the solo album that we reviewed brings a a personal touch some honesty more accessible and open like she like she wears her emotions on her sleeve maybe a little bit more I i could see that i think that's a good description well what's your next one well, you kind of set me up uh, for this next one with your, your mention of an artist we've talked about in the past here a minute ago. If there's one thing for certain about this next artist, I'd say that she ages like a fine wine. With her ninth studio album, Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard, it's clear that Lana Del Rey only gets better with time. The 38-year-old L.A.-based singer-songwriter has delivered yet again with a personal an introspective album that pushes barriers both musically and lyrically. At times, the album can feel a bit too close and too real, with intense, emotionally charged vocals laced with piano lines that will make you stop what you're doing, engage with the music, and ponder life for a while. But then it will surprise you with unexpected twists and turns, high energy, and lighthearted moments, with various pop elements and even psychedelic rock sprinkled in to mix up the mood. That's what makes this album so good. It takes you on a ride from start to finish. I'll leave you with a sample of the title track to spark your interest, but I strongly encourage you to go listen to all 16 tracks on this wonderful gem. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Mosaic ceilings, painted tiles on the wall. I can't help but feel somewhat like my body, my, my soul Handmade beauty sealed up by two man-made walls And I'm like, when's it gonna be my turn? When's it gonna be my turn? California. 
Yeah, 16 tracks, 78 minutes for this one. Yeah, it's a long one. I'm going to be the first to admit that I listened to this album. I let it wash over me. I changed lots of diapers and pushed lots of strollers <laughs> in my prep leading up to this one. It was Lana, so I felt like, okay, I know Lana. I'm going to devote a little more time to making sure I can talk amongst the others. But the more I was listening and the more I was reading about this album, the more I'm kind of realizing I am not going to get into the center of this the way I'm supposed to. I know from what I've read and the little bit that I have absorbed that this is one that takes a lot of work to get through and that she meant to do it that way. And so I'm really excited to dig deeper into this. We talked about it when we did our deep dive of Lana's album, Kemp Trails Over the Country Club, that both of us were kind of newbies to her and man, I was sold after diving deep into that one. And from what I'm reading and from the amount that I have absorbed, I think this one probably has even more pieces of her things to connect. And if you're like a real Lana fan, like some of our friends are, shout out to Katie. I think this is probably like a, just a tre treasure trove of stuff built up that you can get lost in and learn more and more about some artists that you already feel like you have unpacked everything of. Yeah, it's definitely worthy of a deep dive. And I'll admit that I don't know the backstories and themes and connections either. I mean, I've listened to it a lot. And every time I listen to it, I like it more than the last. It's kind of like Chemtrails Over the Country Club that we did a deep dive in 2021. You know, it really doesn't get old. And I feel like the more you listen to it, the more you connect or discover something new about it. But what a what an output of of music she's been on here the past few years you mentioned 70 some minutes 16 songs chemtrails over the country club that we did a deep dive uh, review for and then right after that a few months later blue banisters which and it was it was pretty well received and and had uh good reviews as well so that's three albums as as, as this one from 2023 so that's three albums in a, a little over two years that have followed her 2019 album, Norman fucking Rockwell, that everybody has, has put up there as, as you know, one of, one of the greatest, probably her best work. So it doesn't sound like, um, she's letting up anytime soon. You know, she, she's really, really pushing the issue and using her talents well and, and making music at a good clip. So definitely an artist that I'll continue to follow and, and hopefully find some time to go explore, uh, these songs that I need to know more about. Yeah, I was reading. She's collaborated with him in the past on something, I think, but Father John Misty is on this one doing some backup. There's a lot more orchestration. There's some dynamic changes in it, but it does kind of like, even though it's almost 80 minutes, kind of keep you at a particular mood. And I think that that was intended. Um, and if you're somebody that likes her already, I think it's probably exciting to go there with her. and do. I mean, if you're still listening to her at this point, I think you're drooling when 78 minutes and 16 tracks come out. It's one nice thing about being a well-established artist and garnering fans just being who you are. You can kind of go, all right, if you like me, here is a fire hose worth of me coming at you <laughs> and, and knowing that there's going to be enough people that are going to want to listen to it. So You mentioned Father John Misty. There's another track on this album that features John Baptiste, and he he's an artist that I checked out an album for this year as well that I had planned on mentioning as, as an honorable mention, a, a guy that didn't make the list, but 
I'll mention it now while, while we're talking about it. I, f- I forgot that he was featured on Lana's album. So he released an album titled World Music Radio. I would highly recommend checking that out as well. It was very refreshing, diverse music, lots of genres, some hot dance songs and some chill va- ballads uh, that w- was really a, a fun experience. He's he's a great musician, uh, amazing pianist, definitely somebody worth, worth checking out uh, if you're not familiar with him. Last thing on Lana before we, we move on to your next pick. I mentioned you, you passed me the ball with your mentioning of, of her on SNL and getting a lot of backlash for not doing well or or sounding airy or, or lip syncing or something. I can't remember what it was. Looking back, it, it really wasn't even that bad. In fact, I remember, and I think I mentioned this when we did our deep dive of her album in, in 20, was it 21? Yeah. I don't think I saw that SNL performance live, but I, I did see her next performance on a late night show it was on the David Letterman show. And I thought she nailed it. And I remember watching that. I was I was at home. I remember thinking, who is this? She's, she's awesome. That was my first introduction to her. And then I started reading about her, and all I could find was how she botched this SNL performance and just ruined her career. And I was like, you guys got to be kidding me. This, this woman is talented. She's going to be great. And then here we are some how many years later, probably a decade or so. She's 38 years old. She's released a ton of albums, very well-known I think she's solidifying herself as as one of the top singer songwriters performers of of our generation and not quite done yet so it's pretty pretty cool to to know her and and her music and uh continue to follow uh, as she moves forward so with with that said let's hear your your second pick here our fourth of the 10 overall okay well the origins of my next pick date back to the 60s though perhaps not in the way you might imagine. It was during this time in Mali that a young child named Ibrahim Ag al-Habib would both witness his father executed in a Mali uprising and build his own guitar out of a plastic water can and fishing wire. It wouldn't, however, be until the early 80s that Ibrahim would form a group with other musicians and begin to go by the name Kel Tanarwin, translated The Desert Boys. Though they would play together for the better part of a decade, a 1990 revolt by the people of Mali against the government caused several members to join as rebel fighters. After a peace agreement in 1991, the members finally devoted themselves to music entirely. Now, some 32 years and nine studio albums later, the band known now just as Tanarawin has reached international fame and earned several prestigious awards, including a Grammy in 2012. Though their West African traditional sound is pervasive throughout their discography, their guitar-driven desert blues is also influenced by bootleg tapes that made their way to the region, including the likes of Santana, Dire Straits, Jimi Hendrix, and Led Zeppelin. This 2023 release, called Amatsu, is translated as Beyond the Fear in their native language of Tamashek, and sees the group breaking new grounds with American folk and bluegrass influences along with psychedelic rock elements, all while blending their traditional guitar-driven desert sound into the mix. The song I'd like to play for you is the lead-off track titled Kek Algham, which has been a fan-favorite track for years and finally made its way onto a record. It's a song that acts as a call to action for the Targ people against its present threats. From beyond the boundaries of a single world, from beyond the passivity of merely listening to music, and from beyond the fear, 
comes to Narwin's ninth studio album, Amatsu. like this music. It was a pleasant surprise, not typical pick that either of us uh, would make. I mean, maybe more more typical of you to discover something like that than uh, myself. You know, you're, al- you're always exposing me to music that I probably wouldn't otherwise have found myself. Knowing that it comes with your stamp of approval uh, definitely keeps me intrigued. And I mean, this is one that it didn't really grab me immediately. Um, but the farther I got into it, the more I liked it. You know, it kind of has a like a tribal feel um, to it. I, I think it's something you could listen to sitting around a campfire or going on a hike. That's a really nice blend of sounds. Really, really cool music. How did you discover these guys? How did you come upon them? I was a huge fan of their 2017 album called Elwan. And I think they've released an album at least in between there. But I don't know why I hadn't paid attention until this one. I guess this one had popped up a little higher on maybe the Metacritic critical claim and it reminded me of their 2017 one and so I thought I'd listen and I don't remember how I discovered them in 2017 I think I was in West Africa and went into a dive bar (laughs) and they were playing or something exactly I just wandered right (laughs) in I want to say that maybe I got into them in 2017 because I was definitely into really getting into hi-fi during that time as just another way to connect even deeper to music and it may have been that these guys had popped up on like just a really good album to listen to on a good system and they definitely are just the space of this album all the different sounds the drum beats that might have been what caught my attention back in 2017 but i'm glad i remembered them enough to put this one on here in 2023 do you know if there's anywhere we can find translation to the lyrics I'm not sure. I, I didn't see it on Genius. I, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but I'm not positive. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I, I needed to know what they were saying because I still enjoyed the music and could pick up on the vibes, but definitely kind of curious about diving into the lyrics because then if, if you knew the meaning of the songs, then maybe you'd connect with the music a little bit more too, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I know this one, as I had mentioned, is kind of a call to action against 
some of the threats to Tuareg people, and I do think that they definitely talk a lot about some of the background that I had mentioned that um, Ibrahim had gone through throughout that time as well. So, you know, the rebel resistance, um, yeah, you know, yeah, Mali I mean, you uprising. Feel that so, in the music, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of that as well, but I'm not completely sure on everything that they're talking about. But, you know, Beyond the Fear being the translated title of the album itself gives you a little bit bit of a hint into what they're talking about. Well, I'm glad you picked it. It definitely broadened my horizons and expand my musical interest a little bit. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Awesome. I'm glad you did. All right. Well, I'm going to pass it back to you, Shane. What is your next one? All right. Here we go. Boise, Idaho native Trevor Powers began releasing music under the name Youth Lagoon in 2010 with his debut album, The Year of Hibernation, and went on to release a second album under the same name and two more albums under his own name following those. Little did he know he would be forced into a hibernation from music altogether in October of 2021 after suffering a severe allergic reaction to an over-the-counter medication he was prescribed that created, as he described, a non-stop geyser of acid from his stomach that coated his larynx and vocal cords, inevitably leading to him losing his voice completely for a period of eight months. He has since recovered and reflected on the situation, stating, I wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to speak again, yet alone sing. It all felt symbolic in a way. I'd been swallowing fear all my life, and now here it was coming back up. I used to think God watches people suffer. Now I know God suffers with you. That changed everything. Ultimately, this experience inspired his music and led to the creation of his latest album released this year titled Heaven is a Junkyard, where he reflects on all that he has been through and expresses that in a mature way that's both pleasant musically and intriguing lyrically. The highlight track, Trapeze Artist, well represents this album. It documents Trevor's medical struggle with underlying themes of personal identity, fear, struggle, uncertainty, navigating life's challenges, the need for help, guidance, and protection from others, spiritual connection, personal growth, a search for redemption, and a desire to be happy. Drugstore killing 
my voice is gone and it used to be so strong the reaper's ready for the harvest and fear is where my broken heart is in a circus tent all grown up and gone she's climbing the ladder god save the trapeze artist Nice pick, Shane. Youth Lagoon is a band that I was familiar with. Yeah, I think you were the one that uh, recommended them to me maybe a couple years ago. Okay, good. I, I thought you were yeah. going to tell me it was this album again that I recommended. I forgot. Okay, <laughs> no. all right. Feeling a little better now. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you introduced me to them, and I, I can't remember why. I think I shared something with you a couple years back, and you said, oh, yeah, that reminds me of Youth Lagoon. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know those guys. And you said, oh, you better check out this album and uh that was the year of hibernation the one that i referenced here um correct yeah yeah uh, medical illness where he lost his voice but yeah i remember listening to that one and i think i listened to it first while i was shooting hoops at the gym i was i was shooting free throws after a workout and um it allowed me to just really get in the zone like like the music was so engaging there, there wasn't a lot to it lyrically, but just the, the sounds, it's like, you know, they say listening to classical music helps you study better, like listening to Beethoven or Mozart or something. It's like the modern day, just kind of mind numbing in the background, beautiful sound that somehow like awakens your brain without distracting you at the same time. Yeah, I'm glad you described that first album in that context, because my introduction to Year in Hibernation, I was in a coffee shop. I remember I was writing a presentation or something, and it was a really cool coffee shop in Seattle that actually played records. They had a record player going. Oh, sweet. And this album was in the background, so I, I it was like perfect sort of just getting me in the zone for what I'm doing, but it, would, it pulled me out enough because I enjoyed the music that I had to go up to the barista and be like, what is this? And that's how I discovered Youth Lagoon. And so what I did with Year in Hibernation, amongst other things, is I had it on my, it was probably iPod uh, during this time, yeah. when I ran my first half marathon. Oh, okay. And so I remember perfect. it being like just a perfect sort of get me in the zone, just like you were talking about with mm-hmm. shooting free throws. Yeah. That album is really different, though, than this one. I, I was super surprised. I was excited when you put Youth Lagoon on your pick, but I was expecting something a lot more similar to Year in Hibernation, and you can still tell it's him, but I think Year in Hibernation was almost more like kind of puzzle pieces coming together, and there was an underlying beat, and then he was sort of build upon it, and I think that's what kind of created that trance-like element of it, but Heaven is a Junkyard is definitely a little more organic sounding. He's a little more front and center in this one, and there's a lot more tempo change, dynamic change. It's it's less trance-like, I suppose, in that way. It's more of a concept album. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't look into the year of hibernation. Maybe maybe there's a lot deeper meaning. But I mean, this is a, a perfect example where you need the context of the the lyrics and the backstory to really understand the song. Like like the track that I highlighted here. Trapeze artist. I've been listening to this on repeat all year or since I discovered this album. I was thinking about going to see Youth Lagoon in concert. I, I had an opportunity to go see them less than an hour away. It was it was a a small uh, intimate venue. It would have been close to the stage. It would have been 
phenomenal, but I had some other things come up. I still could have gone, but talked myself out of it for, for time's sake. Wish I wouldn't have big regret, but, um, I was listening to a lot of their stuff in preparation for that. Cause I just always, always want to know as much of the music before going to a concert so I can really solidify that connection with the band. So I listened to this song a ton because it was my, my favorite from the album. And until the past few days prepping for this podcast, I, I hadn't read into the backstory. And so some of those lyrics weren't really hitting the same way that they do now, you know, lines like I'm, I'm sick and I'm scared and I'm high on a trapeze having your voice taken away from you. I mean, for anybody that's extremely traumatic, but when that's your, that's your source of income, that's your livelihood, that's, that's your passion, you know, that's your, 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 your God-given talent to be to the point where you're, you're having to carry around a pen and paper to communicate with people and text. That's a lot uh, for him to go through. Like that's such a, such a great metaphor for, for somebody kind of being out on a limb without any safety net or security. I mean, he said this really helped uh, strengthen his relationship with God and was a really spiritual experience and journey for him to, to have his life shaken up like that and have a lot of time probably to, to think and process and wonder and, and uh, question and go through all the what-if scenarios and hope and, you know, for him to then recover from that and be able to get back to his love of music and passion, I'm sure that ignited a fire in him. And and maybe that maybe that explains why we're seeing a more mature version with with deeper lyrics and uh, more put together music. Maybe he's kind of taking it to the next level, thinking, "Hey, you know, like I I have a, a second chance. Like I I thought maybe I was done, and now I get to do this again." So I'm kind of excited to see what he does from here on out. It certainly seems like it, and yeah, so am I. I think a great album. I'm I'm glad you picked it, and it was fun to have you discover an artist that I had a little bit of a connection with in the past already. So Yeah, totally. All right, ready for your next one. My next pick has its origins in Chicago, Illinois, when founding members Julia Steinem and Dave Sagan were attending Notre Dame in 2010. They subsequently named themselves Rat Boys and have since created several albums that have flown relatively under the radar, but always garnered much critical praise. For their fifth studio album, however, the group took a special trip to my former neck of the woods in Seattle, Washington, to specifically record with producer and former member of Death Cab for Cutie, Chris Walla. The recording process was somewhat unconventional for Rat Boys, who would send voice memos to Walla beginning in 2021, and for the first time in the studio would record to tape rather than digitally. Lead singer and principal songwriter Julia Steinem herself has said that in addition to the recording style, the lyrics are more direct, personal, and honest than ever before. Perhaps this is no more evident than in the album title itself, as The Window is a reference to an experience her grandfather had at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, unable to say goodbye to his ailing wife due to pandemic restrictions. He simply saw her through the nursing home window. And the title track uses real words and names spoken by her grandfather during the experience. For all of these reasons, the album feels like it's alive. That phrase happens to be the title of my favorite song on the album. This is Rat Boy's track, It's Alive, off of their fifth studio album, The Window.
Nice pick, man. This is uh, another album or band, I should say, that I did not know. I think the first time I, I listened, it, it, it didn't jive with me, strike my interest. I, I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was distracted. But I've gone back to it uh, two or three more times. And today I was, I was listening to it again, and it really started growing on me a little bit. You made a comparison to Waxahachie. I think I told you my, my first uh, impression was that it kind of reminded me of Soccer Mommy, mm-hmm. another artist we had talked about. I think I did for one of my top five in 2020. And I really liked the title track, um, The Window. That, that one stood out to me as maybe the, the hit single. But the one you chose was pretty good as well. Yeah, the story behind that is part of what drew me into this one, along with the connections to Seattle, though they're not from there. The music is not breaking any new grounds per se but I just thought it was really solid in what it was trying to do and going back and reading a little bit and listening to some of their past music it just feels like they have kind of solidified themselves with this album it was the last of my five to make it I was debating amongst many others um, but ultimately that backstory is what solidified this one for me we said Waxahachie and Soccer Mommy anybody else more popular you know that mainstream people would know about that you'd compare them to the one that stands out the most to me is anything Jenny Lewis has her hands on, ah, whether yeah, solo or, or uh, Rilo, mm-hmm. Ky- Rilo Kylie. I definitely yeah. hear her style in there quite a bit. Good call. All right, we're getting closer to the end. What's your next one, Shane? This next artist I'd like to highlight has been absolutely killing it the past few years. I'm fortunate that I discovered him in the beginning when his friends were recording and playing guitar and singing songs and releasing those videos on YouTube. At the young age of 27 and less than four years from the release of his first album, Zach Bryan is already slowly becoming a household name. From humble roots growing up in Oklahoma to serve in this country for eight years in the U.S. Navy until the age of 25, to making his Grand Ole Opry debut and gracing the stage of the Ryman Auditorium, this guy is quickly becoming a national treasure. He's an incredible storyteller with deeply honest, raw, and personal music that flows from the heart and somehow always seems to be relatable. It's probably too early to call him one of the greatest songwriters of all time, but if he stays on the course he has been and maintains this pace, I don't see how he won't at least be in the conversation one day. Debuting at number one on the Billboard 200, his fourth album is self-titled, and rightfully so. Let the people know your name, Zach Bryan. I'll leave you with my favorite track from the album. This one is titled Hey Driver, and it features Michael Trotter Jr. of the Warren Treaty. All right, man, I'm ready when y'all are. This is your song, Mike. Let's do it. All right, here we go. One, two, three, and. So take me down the road that's a little bit windy. To a place they still put sugar in their eyes tea. Where the women all fine and the love is fair Yeah, driver, you can drive me off anyway Hey, driver, pull on over I'm in a fight with God This Carolina's shoulder Seems the place I'm getting on Daddy always told me Never make a home on the road While your lady's sneaking out And the kids are growing old 
Hey driver, I've been riding this lonely way too long. All the love I had worth giving was all spent on my song. Hey driver, the boys are gambling with more than just their cars, with their bottles and their drugs and their Bibles in their hearts. So take me down the road that's a little bit wide here to a place they still put sugar in their iced tea where the women are fine and the love is fair. Yeah, driver, you can drive me off anywhere. Hey driver, you can drive me off anywhere. Yeah, this was a great album, and I'd certainly heard of Zach Bryan before, but this is really the first time that I sat down and listened to one of his albums from start to finish when you picked it. I love the opening track, sort of a poem. I almost picked that as as the song, but it would have felt kind of weird for this purpose. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Good that you picked the one you did, but that one definitely stood out. I think I read that the Lumineers are featured on this album. He he has a lot of people featured on the album. Let me let me go through the list here. Has lots of people featured. I mentioned uh, Michael Trotter Jr. of the Warren Treaty. Another song has uh, Sierra Farrell, Casey Musgraves that I think you were about to mention earlier. That yeah. that song that he did with her, uh, titled "I Remember Everything." I believe has been kind of the standout track that's made a lot of the billboard charts. And then you mentioned the Lumineers on another track. So lots of famous artists from, from different genres, different spaces made its way onto this album. And I believe he's even beginning to sign artists uh, to his label. I I read about one guy that he had had signed uh, recently, but in a in a short period of time from that album that was released in 2019 to this one now he has probably around 100 songs oh and then there was a an ep uh released this year with more collaboration there's a song with with bon Iver. there's another song with uh noah cahan oh wow uh, a very big up-and-coming artist that i've been following the past couple of years as well so i mean i got to see him in 2021 the the first uh live music that i went to um since the start of the pandemic it was that music festival back in iowa that i uh met my dad at where we went and camped and uh listened to music for a couple of days it was called hinterland oh yeah south of des moines he was a, a last-minute fill-in. There was an artist that was scheduled to be there who ended up getting sick a couple of days before the performance. So they reached out to him, and he showed up in the middle of the afternoon and played. I don't know if he was on tour and already in the area or if they just knew he was in Oklahoma, if he was back home and thought, hey, that's not too far. Maybe he'll make the trip up here. But he put on a fantastic show. Super lucky to get to see him at a, a big festival like that up close and personal. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So with with that said, we will move on. We got a few picks left. What's next on your list, Trevor? Well, if you're a listener to this podcast, it may come as no surprise that 
Jason Isbell and his ninth studio album, Weather Veins, made my list this year. But to simply mention that one of my favorite artists put out a record this year would sell short how pleased I am that Weather Veins exists after a catalog that already includes masterpieces like Southeastern and Something More Than Free. When an artist on the short list of artists I truly love like Jason Isbell puts out a new record, I'm simultaneously excited and full of anxiety. I can't help but wonder if maybe I've seen the top of their skill set. As a baseball fan, it's like watching your favorite veteran lace up his spikes and trot out onto the field again in April, hoping he's still got the same jump on the fly ball in the gap and the same ability to turn on an inside fastball. Jason has never put out a bad album, but he's had some seasons that didn't put him in my MVP conversation. But this year, this season, with Weather Veins, Isbell has somehow continued to spin phrases and tell stories in ways that no other singer-songwriter today can do. Isbell is skilled at asking questions without giving you all the answers. I still don't know exactly what the significance is of those house shoes being homemade, or if it actually is okay for me to wash the cast iron skillet, but I'm still thinking about those details and their broader meaning hours after the album ends. Amongst a 13-song album that clocks in at over 60 minutes, track 6 pulls me in the most, and has become one of my favorites of his shining discography. In the corner of a hole-in-the-bar wall, somewhere close to closing time, we find the narrator of this song making a last-minute bid for something better than where they find themselves while time and options fall away. This is If You Insist, off of Jason Isbell's Weather Veins. Are you looking for something easy? Do you need to feel alive? Do you crave a love that tears through your life like a category five? My mama spent every day alone in a house of noise and names. She got so tired of putting out fires, she just laid down in the flames. We're running out of options. I've told you all my jokes. If you insist on being lonely, can you leave a couple smokes? So th this was the album that uh, we definitely would have had to, to fight over uh, yep. for our picks. Um, you were nice enough to give it to me this time. Yeah, because because you discovered that it was released uh, before before I did. I, I knew it was coming out. I knew it was due because he kept releasing tracks. And I... It was difficult, but I refrained from listening to the, to the tracks because I wanted the album from start to finish and I didn't want to have any previews. I never liked watching long extended previews before going to a movie because then I feel like some of those best scenes are ruined. And with, with Jason Isbell, every album is, is like a, like a complete story and a novel, a movie. There's characters, there's a start, there's a finish, there's cohesion. It definitely needs to be digested in the way that, that he wanted you uh, to do that because he thinks about track order. He, he thinks about transitions. I really like your comparison of, Isbel to a, a professional athlete who you've come to expect a certain performance and placed high expectation on, on what they're going to deliver for the upcoming year. And that when somebody is in that caliber, 
when they have a down year, it doesn't really stand out. It would if it was somebody else who wasn't that good. And that was kind of reunions for me. I mean, I, right? I, I, I mean, think it had some good songs. It's still but good, I, I though. Just, it's still it didn't, yeah, phenomenal yeah. compared to the rest. And that, that's how it always is exactly. with Jason. There's never an album that I listen to and think, oh, okay, that's not good. Let's just wait for the next one. Right. There might be a few tracks every now and then that I that I kind of want to skip over, that I hear a few times and I've had enough of it and I'm not really interested in going back to them too much. Over the years, there's been a handful of those. Uh, there's maybe one or two on something more than free in Southeastern that I think, oh, okay, I've heard this enough, but still don't really need to skip over it. Those are two complete albums that I can listen to over and over and never really get bored. And I, I, th- I think Weather Veins is right there with the two of them, and, and maybe it's maybe it's the best of the three. I don't know. Time time will tell. We'll see how it how it uh, ages. But I, I think of of the three albums. Maybe this has the the least amount of potentially skippable tracks, if there is such a thing. And it probably has the most songs that could stand alone and, and find their way onto a, a top 10 or a top 20 list. You know, we did, we did a little fun experiment, the two of us recently here, going back and forth with our, our top 10 uh, Jason Isbell songs. And I think I picked two or three from this album. And I probably only left a couple others off because it's so new that I thought it, it probably wasn't fair to the other albums to not give them enough attention. But when I was going through my preliminary picks, I had more from this album than any other album. This is really, really good. And I mean, Reunions was good. I liked it. There were a few tracks that stood out. But overall, from top to bottom, it it uh, was a step below um, something more than free in Southeastern. I mean, if, if, if those are the, the top, you know, if those are your, your A plus albums, you know, reunions was probably a B or a B plus. I, I think this last album, weather veins is, it's definitely right up there. It's, it's probably at least an A, maybe it'll get that plus after it, after it ages for a few years. Yeah. There's something to be said for you know, time kind of aging an album like a fine wine and having it grow on you. There's something about context and it's going to be hard to beat context on something like Southeastern when it comes to Isabel and his story. But I think if I step back from all of that and just listen to this album in a vacuum, it definitely holds up with those other two. I mean, my brain tells me this is a good album as much as, um, you know, emotionally, I connect with it too. So whatever emotional part might need a little bit of time, I I can intellectually listen to this and go, this is, you know, he's at the top of his game still when I listen to this album. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, for sure. You can tell he still has the the spark, the passion. He's still a perfectionist when it comes to rhyming and, and making sure that he picks the right words that, that will carry the the weight and significance and, and paint the picture and put you in the place with the characters and, and uh, really make you feel that song. Yeah, I think that's a fair description. Well, Shane, you got one left. Last but not least, Susto is an American indie rock band from Charleston, South Carolina. Their name origin is from a Spanish word meaning an intense fear understood as a condition of the soul. They have been making music for nearly a decade now with five albums in their discography. 
But I'd say their latest release may be their best work yet. According to their website, a season of drastic change is what brought Susto frontman Justin Osborne to the band's fifth full-length LP titled My Entire Life. There was a divorce, difficulties rebuilding his band after the pandemic, and the pain and helplessness of witnessing family members struggle with addiction and mental illness. Despite these challenges, Justin ultimately found himself in a new landscape with a new love and a deeper perspective, all of which is masterfully projected into this new album. We are honored to have the feature track introduced by the man himself. This is Hyperbolic Jesus. Take it away, Justin. Hey, Album Divers, this is Susto. Thank you so much for choosing our new album, My Entire Life. is one of your top 10 for 2023. Um, it's a record about a lot of change. There was a lot of change going on in my life and sort of in the world like leading up to making that record. And uh, I'm grateful that we got to turn inward towards the studio. And, you know, I got to make a lot of great music with my friends. And um, thank you for focusing on Hyperbolic Jesus. That's probably one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, it's just a sweet story about falling in love and the complications that can go along with that, but remembering to not take things too seriously. But uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for highlighting us. We appreciate you listening and sharing our music, and uh, we love you. Thanks from Susto. She says she don't believe in Jesus, but she thinks he was a pretty good guy. Wears her hair down when she goes to work and pulls it back when she's getting high. She asked me what I think the second verse is It's when I tell her I'm gonna make it all up She says you better make me up another one That will never be enough That's tough She said to fly if you need to fly There's a deity in the sky Go on and sing if you gotta sing I'm an angel with no wings She said hi Wish I didn't know, but I know it's all gotta end. This was a really cool album, and I think I texted you one word that came to mind while listening to this. It was, I think, hopeful or optimism, one of those words. You know, it's called My Entire Life. I think it could have very easily been titled My Life So Far, um, because it does have a lot of... Mm. Yeah, him on it, and you can tell it's personal experiences. I think he he talks about that sure. um, as he introduced the song. There, the struggle is in there, but you have to have gotten through the bad to see the good. And I feel like that's where he's at with this album. It's not a downer, though he trudges you through some of that. It, I feel like the overarching theme is he's happy to be here. You know, you know, I, I read something on the website that sounds kind of similar to what you were describing there. Yeah, so here it is. This definitely relates to what you were saying. On the website, uh, you can read, Susto's narrative has always been confessional, and songwriting is my way of trying to make sense of the chaos, good and bad, around me, observes Justin. These songs cover the spectrum of everything that's happened in my life the last few years. There's been a lot of change, which can be painful, but there's also been a lot of joy and hope, along with everything in between. I figure that's what life is, he continues. It's a mosaic of all the good, bad, and mundane things we face as we make our way from birth to death. Along the way, we ride the waves, but if you stay true to yourself and push through, I believe you can get to where you really want to be, and you can shape that mosaic into something that fulfills you. There's a lot of hope in that for me. 
This record is my story of navigating a bunch of chaos, but finding ways to carry on and manifest my own happiness. The last few years were a challenge, but I look back and see that I made it through a better, truer, and more realized version of myself. Yeah, that's cool. That's exactly the impression I got. Yeah, and I mean, you said that the title of the album could easily be My Life So Far, I think. Is that what you said? Yeah. I almost wonder if if there's there's kind of a uh, common phrase or idea wrapped up in that. You know, like people will say when they lose somebody, like they were my entire life. Mm-hmm. That was my dream. That was everything. That was, you know, my entire life. Everything was based on that. I wonder if that's kind of what he was saying. You know, he was in a relationship for almost 10 years, I read, and, you know, separating with, with that person and, and moving forward, I'm sure, you know, it kind of feels like it's a new life in a way. I could see that. Yeah. I think I was mentioning to you that song has a little Steve Miller band vibe in it. Oh, yeah. I don't think that that's something I heard throughout the entire album, but it stuck out on the verses of that one. And then you mentioned the song Tina might be one of your favorites, and I couldn't help but hear Michael Stipe from R.E.M. in the vocals on that one. That didn't really pervade the album as a whole, but just kind of paints a picture that you get little hints of different artists throughout. Mm Mm-hmm kind of a mosaic of sound. I don't know if those are influences or not, but they definitely kind of had a little vibe of that uh, here and there as as we listen. Yeah, I would say that's true of most of Susto's albums too that I've gone back and listened to. You know, their previous work jumps around and, and, and covers different genres, has probably different inspiration. It's a it's a good collective of, of work. Highly recommend uh, checking out some of their previous work. But I want to comment on that song, Tina. I think objectively if i had to pick the best song the best complete song that that musically is good nice to listen to and and also has deep meaning you know like strong lyrical significance yeah that one that one stands out looking forward to following susto and and seeing what else they have for us in the years to come great band yeah me too all right last but not least you got one more to wrap it up. All right. The last album on my list is a unique project called Complete Mountain Almanac, and it was first conceived in the mind of Stockholm-based Norwegian singer-songwriter Rebecca Kerriord some 15 years ago as a project to create a 12-song suite about climate change that would represent the cycle of nature and the inherent healing properties of the earth. By chance, she met a Brooklyn-based poet, Jessica Dessner, through a mutual friend while visiting there in the late 2000s. They took an immediate liking to one another, and Rebecca commissioned Jessica to create lyrics for what would have originally been an instrumental album. About a year later, Jessica was unfortunately diagnosed with breast cancer, and while this was devastating to her, it also awakened her own creative process as she began writing poetry as part of her healing process during this journey. Inspired also by Rebecca's project, Jessica used the structure of the year as inspiration and is quoted as saying, there's this sensation of using time getting through the year with this cycle of nature. Jessica titled her project Complete Mountain Almanac once these poems made their way to Rebecca, and they became the lyrics to her musical compositions. And suddenly, the music about the Earth's natural rebirth and healing process became intertwined with Jessica's. Acting as co-producers on this album are Jessica's twin brothers Aaron and Bryce Dessner of indie giants The National fame, 
who also contribute their intricate guitar work, composition skills, and writing parts of several stringed instruments that make their way on six of these 12 tracks. Sonically, the album cycles through folk, classical, and chamber music with Rebecca's voice taking center stage and the Dessner Brothers' guitar providing the backbone. All the songs were performed live with just these two elements to preserve the vulnerability of the material with the aforementioned strings being added later as well as horns and synthesizers. Appropriately, the album was released in January of this year and it is, of course, track one of this 12-song project. However, I didn't discover Complete Mountain Almanac until February of this year and fittingly, track two also happens to be my favorite. So here it is off of Complete Mountain Almanac's 12-song project. Near the hunter's forest Someone will take part My body In order to save me I think this might have been the first 2023 album that you shared with me early in the year because we were thinking about doing it for your deep dive pick. Yeah. We never ended up getting to it. And then I, I think we pivoted and you were looking at a different one later in the year that, again, we didn't uh, get around to doing. But this is one that I, I did listen to early in the year. And I thought it was a, a very novel concept album. I, I don't really know anything like that where where they've taken the months of the year and and made a 12-song album. Uh, most of the songs were uh, fairly light. I guess I didn't dive into the lyrics. You mentioned it was originally going to be instrumental, so it's more about the feel and how the, how the music makes you appreciate the different seasons or times of the year, the connections that you make with the various months, which I guess depends on, on who you are, where you live, and and what you associate with them. But I thought that was just kind of a unique thing to to think about having a song for each month of the year. Yeah, and it's an interesting project to begin with because, I mean, I don't anticipate this existing beyond this. I mean, I think it's a coming together of these two artists, you know, one a poet, one a composer, that it just happened to fit together, especially through what Jessica was going through with the breast cancer, that it mirrored what she was trying to do with the earth being reborn. And it, I just don't think, I don't think this is going to carry over into anything in the future. So we sort of have a moment in time. It's self-titled, you know, each track is a month of the year. I just thought it was a unique piece of art. Um, and I thought it was really pretty as well. I will say that the, the sounds of the songs don't necessarily sound like the months that they're depicting. I think I had texted you at one point, it all sounds sort of 
frigid and wintry. Yeah, yeah. I guess they could have included like a a Beach Boys summer vibe <laughs> for July or something. I may have thrown it off a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is very mellow. I mean, it's introspective, thought provoking. I think. I wonder if maybe it has to do with more about what the months mean to them and maybe specifically the the previous year they had or something to that effect but it's definitely some great great music some great songs in there my favorite was november last month that was a good song the lyrics uh the vocals especially the chorus midway through that gets repeated a couple times uh really reminded me of uh dolores o'reardon of of the cranberries their connection with the national being brothers jessica's brothers was an interesting one too yeah. i mean it sounds nothing like the national but i mean i guess if you really follow the their um, guitar you might recognize that a little bit more but it certainly doesn't sound like an indie band you know, it's just kind of an interesting project and as i looked through all the albums of the year i just felt like this one definitely needed a mention if we didn't get to de- deep dive it i wanted to still talk about it here yeah i think i need to go back and and have the lyrics in front of me to listen to some of these songs because I mentioned a lot of them still feel kind of instrumental. I know there's words, but sometimes I think the 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 vocals almost sound like an instrument, the singing quality. And so I, I'm hearing them talk and sing, but I'm not really picking up the words because it blends with the music, and I'm just kind of lost in the the vibe and the sound. But overall, I wasn't I wasn't uh, zoned in on the words as much. Um, as I normally am with a lot of other albums, and maybe maybe that's by design. Maybe uh, maybe I uh, was just overlooking some good lyrics that I need to go back and and study a little bit and then listen to it again. I think that's kind of fair on this one. I mean, you mentioned the vocals sounding like an instrument. Even the lyrics are sort of more like an instrument in a way to, in this one because they're not super clear. I, I think you could interpret them in a number of ways. It's really just more about the feeling, just like a. Uh, you know, uh, an instrument or a uh, sound of somebody's voice is going to evoke emotion or feeling. It's it's more about that. I, I it's not, it, it's poetry. Um, you know, it's it's Jessica's poetry. So I don't think you're going to read this and know exactly what she's talking about most of the time. Um, knowing the backstory, there's things that pop out that you feel like you want to kind of connect to what she was going through, but none of it's super super clear. Um, so I think that's kind of okay to not feel like you need to just scrutinize every word. I think hearing them and thinking about the meaning and the feel is probably what they were trying to get at the most. Yeah. We've, we've talked in the past how some artists tend to have cryptic, uh, lyrics. Mm-hmm. I think even more so poets almost do that by design. Yeah. Like they, they want to leave a lot for interpretation and you know, they want people to read back through it and interpret things differently and, and think about it and fill in the dots. So Perhaps if these poems were written and the music was put to it from two different sources, it's not uh, completely connected, and that's okay because that's kind of what it's trying to do. I mean, I feel like it definitely gave me something that a lot of albums don't, you know, something like kind of unique. I mentioned the word introspection. It, It just generated a lot of thought. Sometimes the lyrics and sometimes just the music, just the headspace, it put me in a place where I could think about some stuff. And that is 2023. Yeah. It's a wrap. 
That's right. Not yet, though. We, we gotta do have, pick our favorite album. Uh, we do for have the one year. more element here. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. How are we gonna do it this time? I think we do it the same way. This was this was you your idea when we first did this. Oh yeah. One, two, three, and, and then we say, say the album name. I say we go for it. But before we do that, this is gonna be the first year we say the same one. Do you think? Yes. I was thinking about that earlier. In fact, I almost wrote it down. I was I was gonna record myself like writing it on a piece of paper with a timestamp, you know, just to say I told you so that I didn't like make it up at the end or something if you picked and then I got to pick and I just picked the same one or something. I even thought about sending your your sister a Facebook message like, hey, I know this means nothing to you, but I just want this to be on record. (laughs) I think Trevor and I are going to pick the same best album of the year. All right. So we say three, two, one, and we say the title of this album. That works. All right. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Weather, weather veins. veins. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I knew it. <laughs> One of these days it was going to happen. Of course it's Isbol. That brings us all back full circle with that being the, really the first, we did one other album, I suppose, that was new to each of us for our first ever episode of this project. But when it came to one we both knew, mm-hmm. it was your first Yeah, that was my pick. first pick. So Something more than free. I think fitting and, and for many for reasons we mentioned already, uh, I think Weather Veins had to be the one this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It was only a matter of time. It had to be an artist that we both like and also a, an album that stood out. But yeah, I didn't know how, how soon uh, we would we would come to that same conclusion because a lot of times for these, these best of the rest, we don't pick uh, familiar artists or ones that we've covered before. You know, maybe we discover something else and it makes our list because we want to highlight somebody new. This year, I, I went with a lot of stuff that, that I'd heard before. I think I mentioned to you my only pick that was my first exposure to them was the Arcs. All the others I've been following for quite a while. Lana's on the list of my favorite artists. Uh, so is Zach Bryan, Jason Isbell on yours. Um, Susto and Youth Lagoon, I'd already listened to some of their previous albums and really liked them and, and so was tracking when they would release something else. Uh, they're up there too, kind of in a different category, um, than the others, but, but equally good in their own right for their own space and and genre. So I didn't really highlight, uh, anybody super new. There was was another, uh, I guess, except for my honorable mention, uh, earlier, uh, John Batiste, that was, that was a great album. I wanted to give a shout out to Ben Folds. Also, he released an album titled what matters most it was it was really beautiful but all in all it's been a good year i've listened to a lot of great music every year it feels like there are certain albums that are standing out that that touch me in a way that i that i connect them with the time and the place the year the events where i was living the job what i was doing the people i was hanging out with the connections some 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 personal endeavors and and those are the albums maybe three to five each year that i listen to on repeat dove into the lyrics a little bit a lot of them are deep dives but these best of the rest have become really important too because it allows us to connect with a lot more albums than what we could cover in a full episode because of the amount of time that it takes to do that full justice but we're also able to breeze over them enough and understand 
enough detail that it's more than just a, a listening experience. We actually can connect with the lyrics, the theme, the artists know some of the backstories and every year, uh, there's been a few more that I add to the list of albums that I, that I truly know, like a, like a list of your favorite movies or novels you've read or, or places you've been aside from my childhood growing up and listening to a bunch of albums and having some connections with those. The only other ones I have are, are those from the past few years. Cause there was a big gap in there where I really wasn't focused on finding albums and listening to them from start to finish, except for a few artists that, that I've listened to everything uh, since their beginnings. There, there's been a few of those over the years, but as far as discovering new artists and keeping up with old and, and really making that a focus over listening to playlists and, and, uh, radio and things like that, you know, I just wasn't doing it too much until the past few years. So, um, every time we do these wrap up best of episodes, it just reminds me, you know, of, of all the, the albums that have, have solidified a place, uh, in my heart, in my brain, you know, in my, development and evolution as a, a a fan of of music and um the podcast has really accelerated that and I'm I'm really grateful that despite we haven't released a ton of episodes recently and that our output has decreased we're still pursuing the mission the goals and you know it brings a lot of positivity uh to my life and allows us to continue a a great friendship um, through music and explore other, you know, avenues of, of life, like you mentioned, and I'll, I'll let you touch on this if you want, but you, you were talking about how the, the music is just kind of the medium to get us to the place of, of, of connection with, with each other, um, with artists, with other fans, with random people on the internet that, that we'll never meet or didn't even know existed prior. Uh, it, it's, it's an outlet for us to explore various themes of life, um, trials, tribulations, challenges, you know, like have the difficult conversations. Music is kind of the spark that leads to those discussions and uh, brings people together. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately, you know, that that's the good stuff. Like that's ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. Connect with each other and other people through music and, uh, and maybe, understand ourselves a little bit in the process too. Yeah, I think connection's a perfect word for it and music just happens to sort of be my gateway into those things. Nothing quite does it like music for me and that's really the intent of this project and I think that's exactly what we've been able to get out of it, both connection with the music, with each other, with the artists here and there and then ultimately with other listeners. That's what we're going to keep doing. I think that's what we've continue to do and I think that's perfect time to say what we'll end the episode with here is connections that we've made if there's um, we submitted for friends and family and listeners anybody that would like to leave a little audio of what their favorite album was of 2023 we will we are going to be including that at the end of this episode so listen for your voice and thank you for your connection in this process cool well, with that in mind, everybody. That does it. Till next time and until next year. Go listen to a great album. Oh, oh, oh.
If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time. Hey, Album Divers, this is Dirt Vonnegut, no relation. Two of my favorite albums from 2023 is Billy Wood's Maps. I think with this one, Billy really shows that he is one of the finest uh, and most creative lyricists in the game right now. Another one I really enjoy is Reverend Catherine Michael Hayter's Saved. This is her project after Lingua Ignata. Uh, It's based on um, Appalachian gospel music. And I'm a big fan of Appalachian music, but I love how she brings that uh, passion and emotion that she had with Lingua Ignata and really puts it into these songs and brings out the sin and salvation uh, in these songs. So check them out and enjoy. Uh, hi, this is uh, Neil in Sweden. Um, so from a short list of Young Fathers and the Nick Drake tribute record, I'm going for my album of the year as False Lankham from the Irish uh, doom folk band uh, Lankham. And the reason is, I think, uh, after following them for a few years, this certainly jumped up and has a full, consistent LP of of just amazing tunes. Uh, Reedy Pete's voice on some old folk classics, complete new interpretations. But it's it's the long wig outs. It's the it's the drones. It's just that modern noise uh, that suits the Irish folk song so well. So uh, yeah, Doom Folk is, a, is an apt description. It's addictive. I have listened to it so many times and heard something new every single time. So go on to Lancome. Hi everyone, this is Rob calling from England, wishing you all a happy new year. My album of the year is Thanks for Reaching Out by Jim Bob. Anyone who doesn't know Jim Bob probably does already if you were around in the early 90s um, and, and in the indie scene. Um, they He was one half of a duo called Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. So his tunes now are a little bit more laid back. They're not quite as thrashy uh, or as angst-driven, but uh, his solo stuff is excellent. and He's definitely worth looking at. This album has lyrically hard-hitting songs, but they're kind of wrapped in a really accessible pop format. See, it's only after a few listens they go, that's a really, really catchy song that you realise what they're, what the, what the song is about. And lyrically, um, the topics of songs include posturing politicians, uh, toxic masculinity, environmental impacts and societal breakdown. So it's all cheery stuff, as you can imagine. But Definitely, I recommend you take a listen to this album. Thanks for reaching out by Jim Bob. Enjoy. My favorite album of 2023 is going to be Steve Earle's Transcendental Blues. Steve has gone through a lot of challenges, both personally as well as professionally, throughout his entire career. And he always finds a way to fight, to move forward and to accomplish the goals that he sets for himself. 
And I feel like this is very reflective of my own life in 2023, having gone through a lot of challenges myself, like my mother being in a terrible motor vehicle accident, passing of my father, a lot of personal ailments myself physically that have gone wrong. And I know that in 2024, things are going to become successful and look up for me. And so I feel like this album embodies uh, the message to move forward and uh, strive towards your goals, fight for your goals, and don't give up. And this album is a perfect example of that. My 2023 album of the year pick is Circa Waves Never Going Under. That entire album is fire. I think every song is a hit. Um, and there were like 10 other albums in the running. So, I mean, that's saying a lot, right? Hey, album divers. James here. My favorite album of the year is Queens of the Stone Age in Times of New Roman. It's a great modern rock album, has all the great elements of a great band, but with a modern sound for 2023. Every Queen's album, Josh opens up a little more. Lyrically clever, it's up there with clockwork and songs for the death for me. Could say a modern sounding Zeppelin without repeating itself or anyone else. And more importantly, it rocks from start to finish. I've got a group on Facebook called Soul Sounds where we like to share music old and new. Join us. Hey everyone, Billy Shields here. 2023 was quite a year for Americana and country music, and I just wanted to share a few of my favorite albums from this year with you all. Uh, Josiah and the Bonneville's new album, Endurance, was one of the first that comes to mind for me. He's a great songwriter, he's got catchy melodies, they're fun sing-alongs, and then, you know, the whole album is just a great record and uh, worth a listen. I'm finally excited to see him perform down here in Austin in the coming months. Um, you know, I've listened to him for a while now, and... He's just starting to really get back on tour, so I'm stoked for that. Check out Keeping Love Alive. Holy Place is a great song. Blood Moon, of course. Uh, Burn, just to name a few to start off. But the whole album is definitely worth a listen. Uh, next up, Can't Go Wrong with Zach Bryan. Everything this guy puts out is pure gold, in my opinion. He just got away with words and melodies and songs. Um, the self-titled album is no different. It's definitely a little different from his old albums, but... As far as the quality of his music goes, it's right up there with them all. I'll always have a soft spot for Zach and his story. Definitely check out Hay Driver, uh, Tourniquet is another good one. But everything he releases is worthy of a shout. A few others I really enjoyed this year were Charles Wesley Godwin's Family Ties, Dylan Gossett's No Better Time EP, uh, Turnpike Troubadour's A Cat in the Rain, Tanner Ustray's Crossing Lines, Luke Grimes' uh, Pain Pills Repuse EP, and of course, Jason Isbell's Weather Veins. These are all awesome albums. So I hope everyone has a great new year. And I can't wait to see what kind of musical treats are brought our way in 2024.